0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA podcast on flowcombat.com is brought to you by our favorite MMA and BJJ clothing company. That of course is ADK Fightwear, a locally owned, family owned business from the Adirondack mountains of New York. They give you high quality gear at affordable prices and you can get that gear at even more affordable prices with our special offer. If you go to ADKfightwear.com right now and use promo code turtle, that's T-U-R-T-L-E. Dave, tell them how much they're going to get off.
1: All right. Well, this is kind of crazy, and you might not believe it, but you're going to get, are you ready for this, Gumby? Don't say anything. I know you're going to be shocked, maybe even speechless. You're going to get 10% off. No, wait. Hold on. I'm feeling so good. I'm going to make it 15% off. What do you think of that? No, wait. Hold on. You know what? I just got a special Skype message from the owner of ADK Fightwear, and he said, F it, make it 20% off, so we went from 10 to 15 to 20% off just by typing in the promo code TURTLE at adkfightwear.com. Meet us at the top. They have awesome gi tops. They have awesome no-gi stuff, and it's already affordable, but now with the discount, you're getting an additional 20% off. I'd call it CRIMINAL.
0: Yeah, and you can get new spats, new rash guards, new geese. Uh, No matter what it is you need, you can grab it all without breaking the bank. So go there now at ADKFightwear.com and get 20% off all of it. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby, Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I am speaking to Smiling Sam Alvey, who fights Jean Volante at UFC Utica on June 1st. So, Sam, you you took a short notice fight at Light Heavyweight back in February, and it looked like you were trying to just get a fight in. But here it is, your next fight at Light Heavyweight. Why the change, and is, is this a permanent change for Smiling
2: Sam Alvey? You know what? I'm willing to make it permanent, but but like always, if the UFC wants me at one weight class, I'll get there. If they want me at heavyweight, I'll fight anyone but Noganu. <laughs> Everybody
0: but Francis Nagano McGon- why Francis Noganu? McGon- why not him?
2: <laughs> hey, have you ever seen him fight? That that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: seems like a pretty good reason. So, um what what about the change in the weight right now? You know, do you feel uh do you feel more powerful there? Does the is it better diet? You know, like what are you enjoying about being a two hundred five er now?
2: You know, I've always been a big 85 fiver. Uh, people may not know, but I walked around about two thirty when I was fighting at at uh, one eighty five, and so now that I'm at two hundred five, I'm still walking around two thirty. It's just I don't have to go quite quite as far.
0: Yeah, t- twenty five pound cut seems a whole hell of a lot better than a than a fifty pound cut. You were cutting almost fifty pounds to make eighty five.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I fought over in Poland, I cut what forty pounds in ten days. Wow. Um, I just, I've always cut weight. I've always been cool with it, and now that I don't have to cut nearly as much, I just I feel like my my camp is just so much more fun.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine it would be, and eating is so much more fun. I imagine. Yeah.
2: Oh, it is. It's 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 just wonderful. My wife is like a chef. So it's, she. She takes care of me.
0: Yeah. So and I imagine with all this uh, this Bellator open weight slash heavyweight tournament stuff going on, uh, that's something you wouldn't be opposed to if they it <laughs> to the UFC, is it?
2: Uh, no, I would be game to. I I've always felt fighting is fighting. I, I size does matter, but as long as I'm about the right size, I, I I'll take it.
0: Yeah, and so I I gotta ask too because you know you you sound pretty chill about what comes next. For Sam Alvey, you know, you'd fight heavyweight against, like you said, anybody but Nagano. You know, you'd you'd fight, you know, middleweight again if they asked you to. What's sort of your goal in the MMA world, being that you know you you don't really care where you're fighting right now? What what's the the end game for Sam Alvey?
2: Well, I, I've been saying uh, when I was fighting eighty five, I, I was trying to make a legacy. I was trying to be be part of the UFC history, and uh, I, I did a little bit with my with my fighting uh six times in one year i i tied donald stroney's record for most fights in a year and i got there about two months faster than he he got there i just uh, broke my ankle in the process and, and couldn't couldn't get that last number you know fight number seven in um so i'm in the history books i have set a record that's very difficult to break um and my my goal now is i i'm going to climb the ladder to get to that title uh i i i am and uh, I'll just keep fighting whoever they put in front of me. I'm gonna climb, climb uh, a little better, and I, I'm not gonna take fights on quite such a short notice as I was at middleweight. Middleweight, I was taking fights back to back to back to back, and took the one fight over in Poland on ten days. When, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, probably shouldn't have. Mm. Uh, and and now I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time. I'm gonna have my camp. I'm gonna keep consistent. I, I still want to fight four or five times a year, but I'm gonna make sure I get my six to eight weeks of, of, of training it.
0: Yeah. That makes a, a lot of sense too. Now I, I got to wonder too, being only your second fight at, at two Oh five, were you surprised when the UFC came at you with pretty much your wish, John Volante, uh, you know, ranked he- light heavyweight.
2: I, you know, it's who I call out after my next fight. And it was, uh, everyone says it was a fun call out and he, he accepted before I got back to the locker room. <laughs> so it's just a matter of making the, the timeline match up, uh, I, I think he doesn't fight quite as often as I do, um, but this just worked out perfect. He had fought about a month before me, and so he had a little time off to relax to with his family, and uh, he, he got to get ready on his timeline as well as mine. Yeah, and, and
0: so, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, having a, a little bit of fun in there and it being a fun matchup. I, I got to ask, too, because it was just on my radar while I was checking over your social media, It's the one-year anniversary of one of the most fun things I've seen in the Octagon, and that's uh, a little bit of creative advertising. Uh, A year ago, you fought Dan Kelly with a spray tan logo across your chest. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and any chance that we ever see any other creative advertising, albeit definitely not a spray tan, but something like that again from from you? It was actually about
2: three years ago that happened.
0: Was that three Uh, years ago? Oh, three years ago. Yeah, anniversary of it.
2: Yeah. Three years ago, anniversary of, of that fight. And honestly, a buddy of mine has perfect tan. It's his company. It's his business. And he was sponsoring me for the fight. And he was just going to have me go on the banner. And I, I actually came to him and said, hey, I got an even better idea. I'm the palest guy in the UFC. Uh, let me spray tan your, your name on my chest. And it'll, it'll be hilarious. Everyone will laugh. And uh, turns out there is a policy in the UFC that you're not allowed to do that. So as I was walking to the cage, the commission said, hey, you got to take that off your chest. I said, I can't. I didn't know it was on yesterday. And uh, they said, all right, we'll get up there. And so I went out there. I got backstage, and I got yelled at by everyone. (laughs) They all said, Dana White is pissed. And they were all said, you you will not win any bonuses for your knockout tonight because of that. So I say that 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 tattoo cost me $50,000. Um, but it's all good because my buddy said he'll give me free tanning for $50,000. So it'll all work <laughs> out in the end.
0: It's a long-term investment. I like it. So yeah. um yeah. so I, I I usually like to end these interviews where we're talking about a big fight coming up with a prediction, but you know I I've interviewed you a couple of times already. I know you're not one for predictions or one for sticking yourself out there. So I am going to ask you for a prediction. But not about you. I'm going to ask you about one of your boys. Chris Curtis, who I know has trained with you in the past, is finally getting his chance on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. It debuts on June 12th. He'll be on the debut episode. Tell me something about him and sort of what you expect from him in that fight.
2: Curtis has worked his butt off for a long time. This, this, this shot is a long time coming, and uh, he's taken full advantage of it. He, he's, tra- he's made the switch. He's living, I mean, at his gym. Uh, he works out morning, noon, and night. We're working together to make sure he wins this, and it, it's a—it's sh- it, as close to a sure thing as I as I'm ever willing to put my name on.
0: Awesome. So uh, we hope it works out for uh, Chris Curtis, and we certainly hope it works out for you too. Once again, Sam Alvey fights Jean Volante at UFC Utica on June 1st. Sam, thank you again so much for the time.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. And if anyone ever wants to talk to me, hit me up on social media I'm at Smiling Sam. Uh, just, yeah, hit me up. I love talking to everyone.
0: And that episode was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Look, there are a lot of craft brewery pretenders out there right now, but Dead Frog is not one of them. They've got high-quality craft brews with no pasteurization and no preservatives, so head on over to deadfrog.ca and check out what they've got available or head to your local liquor store today. I, of course, have Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com. Dave, that was Sam Alvey, what'd you think?
1: Man, Sam Alvey has one hell of a personality. I always look forward to hearing him on our podcast, on anybody's podcast. He's got a great personality. I'm looking forward to his next fight, but you know what else I'm looking forward to is talking to you about this past weekend at UFC 224. You know, I uh, gotta say, the main event was not without drama, while the fight itself was largely one-sided. A lot of people were all over the fact that Raquel Pennington's corner told her to keep going in the fifth round, between the fourth and fifth round. Some people were calling it like cruel, and unusual punishment. I think you know where I side on this, but what did you think?
0: Uh, You know, I actually sided uh, on the opposite side of that. As, As much as I'm all about protecting fighters, and I actually think that the towel isn't thrown in soon enough on a lot of fights. This wasn't one of the ones I thought that. She never looked woozy, first of all. And second of all, for all the people jumping to, you know, kind of attack her her people or attack, you know, her corner for not throwing in the towel. We don't really know what she's like in the gym. Does she say I'm done all the time? Does she, is that like her code for like hype me up? So we don't know.
1: Yeah, no, it, this is a non-fucking issue. I mean, she wasn't woozy, just like you said. She said she was she was ready to give up. Which I'm sure every fighter goes through that at some point during a, a tough fight, especially one that goes to championship rounds, because of the leg kicks. The leg kicks. Not because she was taking, you know, uncontested shots to the head. Although, let's face it, Nunes was lighting her up when it came to significant strikes on the body and the head. But no, it was the light kicks that were killing her. And, you know, she had that momentary lap. She's since come out and said she's glad her corner pushed her through it. We'll move on, though. Kevin Gastelum came up with a very big win. Uh, now beaten Michael Bisping uh, this past November via KO and then this past weekend. Getting the split decision win over Jacare Souza uh, in a fight of the night, he's now calling for a title shot. What do you think of the performance?
0: Yeah, I th- I think he deserves the title shot, man. Uh, you know, Jacare looked like he probably got more tired faster than I expected him to. It didn't look like the right Jacare. But that being said, you can't beat a former champ in Michael Bisping, and you know, rightfully probably the number one contender in Jacare, other than Joel Romero. And not get a title shot. Like, the dude deserves it, whether he got beat by Chris Weidman recently or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, Weidman's injured, right? So Weidman holds yeah, a, he's win got a broken over hand. Him. And if we're going to go by the rankings, Weidman is ranked above Gastelum, as he should be. He holds a right, win not over for him. Long,
0: not for long, I can't imagine, though.
1: Why, though? He has a win I, over I him. would
0: imagine if, if Calvin beats, just beat Jacare, I expect to see Calvin at, at number two next week uh
1: well i I would disagree with that very much so because weidman has a win over him so how could he be ranked above him
0: you know i love your logic and that's the same logic as i typically have however i expect to see calvin at number two next week well
1: that's just because it's not you know what and don't get me wrong i get that these rankings they fluctuate they're hard to pinpoint it wasn't a win in 2014, and we could say, oh, Gastelum, he's a new fighter. Weidman, he's a different fighter. It was last July- It was less than a year ago. Yeah, so- it was
0: It was within a calendar, or within a 12-month span, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, but that being said, just to go back to the original point, Weidman uh, is injured right now, so if they're going to give it to Gastelum, hey, I'll tell you what, this is the new UFC. They got a $150 million a year deal with ESPN+. Plus. They know what they're doing. for us to get all upset over who gets a title shot, that is so 2015 at this point. Everyone's a (laughs) fucking interim champion at this point. So really, who gives a fuck? They've just won an
0: interim championship.
1: Who else impressed you this past weekend?
0: Uh, You know, I really liked uh, Zelski Dos Santos uh, with his spinning heel kick KO. I mean, there were a ton of finishes on that card. We could talk about Mackenzie Dern too. But uh, Dos Santos' spinning heel kick KO... Uh, was absolutely incredible, which actually leads us to our combat countdown this week.
1: Yeah, it's so funny that you brought him up, and it leads (laughs) us to our combat countdown, almost like we planned it that way. And P.S., I think uh, Mackenzie Dern is phenomenal and has a bright future ahead of her. Obviously, want to see her get her weight cut issues down. If she fucks up one more time, to me, that's it. She's a 125-er, but that's a side tangent. What do you say we cue up Melvin Buffer and start this combat countdown?
2: Let's do it. It's time for the Combat Countdown.
1: All right, the Combat Countdown this week is all about under-the-radar win streaks, win streaks that are damn impressive, and nobody's talking about them. So we'll, of course, start, as we always do, with number five. And this week, under-the-radar win streaks, our number five is Vince from Hell Pichel.
0: Yeah, Vince from Hill Pichelle, a 155-er who is very quietly on a four-fight win streak and fights the undefeated Gregor Gillespie in Utica coming up in June. Looking for five in a row, he's beat Damian Brown, who is absolutely a crazy resilient guy, and he knocked him out, and he beat Joachim Silva. So he's beaten a couple of decent names at 155. He's kind of got one of those uh, those spots at 155 where he's on a crazy run. But uh, nobody high-ranked will fight him. So I think this fight with Gillespie, should he win uh, five in a row, they got to give him a ranked opponent.
1: Well, I think the thing with Pichel is this is a very interesting win streak because two of the wins, the first two wins, came back mm-hmm. in 2014. He yeah, then did not, yeah, he did not fight in 2015, 2016, and half of 2017, came back last June, reeled off two wins, Damian Brown, very impressive, and Joaquim Silva. Uh, so four in a row, but with a three-year break in between the two. I've always been a From Hell Pichel fan. I remember him on the Ultimate Fighter, had that loss in the Ultimate Fighter finale to Rustam Havilov, but really no shame in that. And he was 7-0 and as a professional going into that Ultimate Fighter finale. So mm. 11-1 and in his career, very underrated guy. I do worry, you know, at age 35, it's a little old for the UFC, yeah. especially that weight class. But I would love to see him, uh, you know, reel off a couple of wins here and uh, make a run at it, as they say. We'll move on to number four. It's Jose Alberto Quinones.
0: Yeah, Kinanez is uh, a 145-er, for those of you who don't even know who this featherweight is. Uh, he was a tough Latin America finalist, and he's quietly won four in a row, including wins over Joey Gomez, who's a tough Northeastern prospect, Diego Rivas, who fights this weekend, and alpha male team favorite Taruta Ishihara. He beat all three of these guys during this win streak. It's been a crazy four in a row, but once again, the packed featherweight division this time sort of keeps him back.
1: I mean, featherweight division is so stacked, although it did get a little lighter last week with the release of both of one of our favorite fighters on this podcast, uh, that being Yair Rodriguez. So a guy like uh, Jose Alberto Quinonez, or as I call him, JAQ, can really, you know, I, I think he says to himself, well, A, don't ever, you know, not accept a fight that Dana White offers me when I'm not a big star at the level of Conor McGregor or something. And two, it did open up some room for him uh, as a, uh, you know, Spanish uh, descent prospect. Am I wrong in saying that?
0: No, absolutely. And I I think that's a market they've been trying to corner. And, you know, this is a guy at four in a row, might just step into the, the limelight.
1: All right. Well, we already mentioned him number three. Uh, I always butcher his name, but I'll try it here. (laughs) Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos.
0: Oh, that sounded great. So Dos Santos is a 170-pounder, and if you missed him this past weekend, he had a spinning heel kick KO over Sean Strickland that was absolutely nasty. And for those of you who didn't already know, it's five in a row for Dos Santos, which is just crazy. Uh, And some of those wins are over Max Griffin, who just beat... um, uh, who did he just beat? Max Griffin just beat um, Mike Perry, um, which is a pretty legit win. And he also beat Lyman Good, who's always durable. So two crazy wins over really tough guys in five in a row overall. It's it, The sky's the limit for Dos Santos as long as he starts getting a step up in competition. Yeah,
1: you know, uh, with Dos Santos, so he's 5-1 and one in the UFC. The wins you mentioned, very impressive. And he has three fight-of-the-night performances. That's the kind of thing that the UFC brass loves to see. That's the kind of thing that'll get you a main event, maybe on ESPN plus coming up here in January of 2019 or whatever the new TV partner is. Uh, But that is very impressive from the 31 year old Brazilian. We'll move now to number two on the list. It's another 170 pounder, another welterweight. It's Leon Edwards. Yeah,
0: and and speaking of guys who uh, are looking for a step up in competition, Leon Edwards at 170 pounds is looking for his sixth in a row, and he's going to get nobody else other than Cowboy Cerrone to do it as a headliner. Um, and, And I think that that's just an awesome fight for Leon Edwards to finally get the step up, but to earn that step up, let's talk about the fact he already won five in a row, which includes wins over Albert Tumanoff, Vincente Luque, and Bam Bam Barberena, which are no slouches in that list at all, Um, so in order to make it six, he's going to have to get Cowboy Cerrone, and that I would imagine catapults him up the rankings if he wins that one.
1: Yeah, I actually really like the way they're using Cowboy Cerrone right now by having him fight these young up-and-coming Lions. He's a name that someone like Leon Edwards could build off of, much like, let's say, Darren Till, another 170 uh-huh. er And I think it's also worth noting that Leon Edwards' last loss came via unanimous decision to Kamari Usman, another young uh, lion in that 170-pound division. So they have a little bit of history. Should they meet up later in life for a title shot? I love that kind of thing. I love what's happening right now at 170 pounds. I feel like there is massive turnover in that division. And, yeah, I know Nick Diaz is going to come back and he's going to get his money fight. And I know Nate Diaz might still be considered (laughs) a 170-pounder, and he's going to get his money fight. And I know GSP is still out there, and he could fight at 170 and get his money fight if he's not cutting down to 155 or bulking up to 185. But the bottom line is 170 has a lot of young and exciting fighters. Leon Edwards is one of them.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're about to hit one more who is – now technically a 170 pounder as well, which brings us to number one on our list.
1: And that's Michael Prezzares.
0: Yeah, Michelle Prezares uh was a 155er for his last six wins. Catch that. Six straight wins for Michelle Prezares. Uh he fights this weekend looking for number seven, but he's not gonna do it at 155 pounds anymore. He's gonna do it at 170 pounds. Uh, due to the the fluctuating weight cuts of varying uh, success. And he's going to fight a killer in his first one at 170 and that's Zach Cummins. And with a win over Zach Cummins, I have to imagine this dude is going to be in the rankings because he's this would be seven in a row. And if you don't count a loss to Kevin Lee, it would be nine in a row, including wins over Gilbert Burns, Des Green and Josh Berkman, who are all names at 155 pounds. So Michelle Prezaris is destined for big things on this win streak.
1: Is it Michelle or Michael? I've been calling him Michael.
0: I think it's, I think it's Michelle. Ah,
1: you got Because uh, there's no A.
0: Michelle Prezaris.
1: Alright, well let's review uh, Very impressive like you said And I love that he had two back-to-back North-South chokes In the UFC That's a yeah, joke probably. you don't see all the time uh, We'll review once again Number 5 was Vince from Hell Pichelle Number 4, Jose Alberto Quinanez, Number 3, Elize Zaleski Dos Santos Number 2, Leon Edwards, the easiest name on the list And number 1, <laughs> Michelle Don't call him Michael Prezares Keep an eye on all these guys These are underrated win streaks taking place currently in the ufc gumby i want to get to our ufc chile breakdown but i wonder does a uh company sponsor said breakdown
0: of course the fight breakdown is always brought to you by garage fit look we can't all get to the gym and brazilian jiu-jitsu practice uh and get a quality workout while it's all happening so sometimes you got to get that quality workout in your garage so you can go to garagegym.net and check out what GarageFit has got for you they got the weighted vests, they got the heavy ropes they got the plyo boxes, no matter what it is you need for a high quality workout, they got it for you. And uh, so for my three picks this week for fights that you are going to want to see from UFC Chile which is kind of an under the radar card uh, you're definitely going to want to check out the main event I'm going to go with Kamara Usman over Demian Maya. Demian Maya is a late second fill-in, worries me a little bit and the odds show it too. Kamaru Usman and betting off at a minus 360 favorite, which I think is definitely uh, warranted because, you know, Demian Maia stepping up against the guy he can't grapple up is going to be difficult. Uh, the co event has got just as big of a favorite there. Tatiana Suarez, I love her over Alexa Grasso here. Her takedowns have just looked so good as of late, and she's looked like a budding prospect. She's betting off at negative 360 uh, to Alexa Grasso's plus 290. Uh, And just so I don't pick all huge favorites on this whole card, I'm going to go with Michelle Prezaris at a plus 120 favorite. Or, uh, plus 120 underdog against Zach Cummins. Uh, even though he's going up in weight class, he's a big, heavy, strong dude, and I like him for the upset here against Zach Cummins. So, once again, that's Kamara Usman over Demian Maya, Tatiana Suarez over Alexa Grasso, and Michelle Prezeris uh, with the win over Zach Cummins.
1: Alright, well, that about wraps up our show for this week. We can't thank you enough for listening. We always encourage you to subscribe, hit the download button, write a review. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle podcast studio we'll be back next week with a very special announcement and a brand new segment we're very excited about but we'll uh debut that next week so thank you so much to flow combat our mother ship our dog hunter over there always bringing the damage love that guy thank you to garage fit thank you to dead frog brewery and thank you to adk fightwear meet us at the top our sponsors don't forget to go to adkfightwear.com enter in promo code turtle For 15% off, you know what, I'm feeling so good, I just made it 20% off, which is basically a steal, and of course, uh, thank you for listening, I am Shockwave Dave, he is Daniel Gumby, and we are Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and we are out of here.